Welcome to Potluck, a podcast from the Great Plains Conference. I'm David Burke from the Conference Communications Office. Thank you for joining us. One of the longest standing traditions in Methodism, perhaps more so in the Great Plains, is the Potluck Dinner. Everybody brings out their best to share with their friends and fellow church members. Sometimes you know what you're going to get, sometimes you walk away with something unexpected. That's our goal here at the Potluck Podcast. It's a salute to the inspirational ministries in churches large and small in the two state areas and sometimes beyond. If you walk away feeling nourished and fulfilled, we've done our job. Welcome to Potluck. Welcome to this edition of Potluck. If you've been at an event in the Great Plains Conference in the past four and a half years where Brenda Davids and I are together, you probably already know our story because we will tell it to you. Our lives had already intersected several times before I started work for the conference. In fact, the night before my job interview, it was Brenda who I called to ask for advice. She's a second career pastor who has accomplished much in her ministry and is currently pastor of Council Grove, Dunlap, and Wilsey United Methodist Churches. Forgive me if I call her Fassy. It's her maiden name and it's how I respond whenever she calls me Burke. So welcome to Potluck, Brenda Davids. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Good, good. All right, our story. We go back even before you and I were born, right? I think so. Yeah, we've got to go back to this next generation. Yeah. Um, my dad farmed in north central Kansas in Washington County. And your dad was the next farm over, was that right? Yep, near Hollenburg. Okay, yeah. I, I, we can really say Hollenburg to, to send people to their maps. But uh, I was claimed Hanover. Um, as as my hometown, but but Hollenburg was just as close. Um, and how did your dad end up there? Because you had family land back in Atchison County, right? On my mother's side of the family. I, okay. But on dad's side of the family, they were uh, living in the area that got out, bought out to build Fort Riley and Tuttle Creek uh, Reservoir. So they decided that they were going to farm my grandfather as a plumber and really just wanted to be a farmer. Um, so he kept his plumbing job, thank God, because that's the one that paid. He really wasn't a very good farmer. <laughs> and uh, dad and Jack and Mike, Jack and Mike are my dad's brothers, uh, all went with grandma and grandpa to farm in Hollenburg. And mom and dad had met each other at K-State by then and I had gotten married. And the story I've been told through the years is that Jack and Mike lived with mom and dad uh, while they were first married, and then they all farmed up there together. And then you and I recently learned, uh, probably within the last couple of years, that your parents uh, were set up by my parents, that they exactly. were matchmakers. And then they, there was a lot of links we already knew about, but that link we hadn't learned about. Um, well, that they'd actually been matchmakers for them. And looking back now, it makes sense, because my our mothers were friends at K-State, right? Mm -hmm. And our fathers were friends. And I, I should have put two and two together a long, long time ago that your folks set my folks up. It just makes so much sense that that would happen. And they, because the, the story my folks had always said was that they had met at a, an EUB young adult camp. I don't know if it was a camp or not, a getaway at Forest Park here in Topeka. Mm -hmm. And we even went by, I mean, when we were in Topeka, my folks would take us by Forest Park. And we were, you know, we were kids. We were underwhelmed to see that. But um, 
but in looking and I've gone back to see it again and remember a lot of those structures. But you're on the board, or you were on the board at least at Forest Park, right? Well, only by name. Um, okay. I've always served on the board at Camp Chippewa, so I'm almost an outcast at Forest Park, but I married a Davids. And yes. Paul Davids and uh, his wife, who's a product of Holton Evangel, mm -hmm. uh, have always brought their family to Forest Park Summer Assembly. And Paul Davids uh, actually introduced me to his brother Don one summer when I was there with some of my kids from Jarblow. United Methodist Church in Northern Leavenworth County and said, I'd like you to meet my brother. And since then we have been together uh, and married and uh, blended our families. And so since my name is David's, that's a huge part of the legacy of Forest Park Summer Assembly. And I have gone in and helped Paul several times with cooking and baking. And my sister-in-law Linda does all the meal planning for Summer Assembly. And I think this is I, I might be wrong, but I think this is the first summer they've not had summer assembly um, wow. because of COVID-19. So that was kind of some warning um, wow. that they didn't have summer assembly this year. My parents probably met at summer assembly also, but they certainly didn't know that they met each other. But they both grew up EUB, um, as your parents did. And that was where everybody went camping if you were part of the EUB church. Right. Prior to 1968. So. Yep. Now, I remember you and your family came to stay with us one, like overnight one night. Back, I was probably nine or 10 years old and, and it was like, oh, okay, you know, friends of, friends of your folks, you know, when you're a kid, friends of your folks are no big deal. But I do remember you staying, you're, you're staying at our house. And then um, when I was 16 years old, I was a, uh, counselor for a Kansas Farm Bureau camp at Rock Springs and um, was playing volleyball. It was the end of my sports career right there and the beginning of my sports career. But I, uh, I fell, landed on my knee, dislocated ligaments and cartilage. And they took me to the camp nurse's office and who was there but Brenda Fassi. I was. I, I was you, on staff at Rock Springs. Yep. <laughs> and you sat next to me at the doctor's office in Junction City, and uh, I don't remember much besides just your your presence there, you know. And then, uh, and then uh, my my knee got screwed up even more after that, and it was time for me to go home in the back of a station wagon, facing facing the rear from Junction City to uh, to Hanover. So. Um, we we intersect so much, and uh, and we think it's a neat story, even if no one else does, right? <laughs> well, I think we stayed at your house because my parents yep. would make a routine in the winters of going to see their wedding party. So both of your parents were in my parents' wedding, right? And we often went to Colorado Springs to see my great grandmother over Christmas because farming is doesn't happen so much over Christmas. So they exactly. would kind of make a road trip out of it and find these people that they wanted to connect with on the way to Colorado Springs. I think we played a lot of Legos. Okay, okay. I, maybe I don't, you or your brother. I, yeah. I remember building Legos. Okay, okay. I, I don't remember that. I remember teasing your dad about something as much as a, you know, a 10 year old can tease an adult. I don't know what, I forgot what that was, but, but it was there and your, your, your dad has always had a great sense of humor and, and I see it in you too, so. Um, and it and the, and the kindness of your mother. So, shout out to uh, to Harvey and Nancy Joe Fassi. Mm -hmm. um, and we will be back with more with Brenda Davids right after this.
Good news! Christ is still very much alive and well, working in the world today. I'm Todd Seifert, and I invite you to check out my podcast, In Layman's Terms. Once a month, this podcast tells stories of people serving the risen Christ in the world today. Other weeks of the month, I share a reflection on a passage from the Bible aimed at people who with no background in Scripture, who find the Bible difficult to understand, or who just feel like they need a refresher on parts of our sacred texts. And it's all done in plain English, in layman's terms. So find my podcast on the Great Plains Conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. We are back on Potluck with Brenda Davids, pastor of Council Grove Dunlap and Will C. United Methodist Churches in Kansas, and a longtime friend of mine, as the, the first uh, segment of this has, has included. Um, and something else that I don't know if you were aware, while you were living in Joplin, I was living in Parsons. Did you know that? I don't think so till later when you told yeah. me some of your journalism career moves. Yeah. Because um, you're working in Joplin for, you got a, a degree at K-State in bakery science, is that right? I did. Okay. And uh, my first job was a quality assurance manager at a bakery run by the Safeway Store Company in Joplin, Missouri. And we made cookies and crackers uh, for Safeway stores and for other, store, other private label stores. So it was actually called the Joplin Biscuit Company. Biscuit's a name for cookies in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I almost took had every role in that bakery management. It was really a, a huge learning curve for me to be there. And we enjoyed it. We lived in Baxter Springs. We attended the Galena United Methodist Church. And we also attended the Baxter Springs United Methodist Church for a while. Oh, great. What, what was it about bakery science that, that drew you? Um, my grandpa, John Hammond, asked me to do something to support the farm. Um, in my family, you go to K-State, you get to decide on your major. Now we've broken that rule in the last couple of generations and we've got a lot of different degrees uh, in our family from a lot of different institutions, but uh, tried and true purple people. Yep. And I'd gone out as part of a 4-H program. I'd won the uh, state award in a, in a pro- project with bread and with leadership in 4-H and Kansas State and Bakery Science invited me out and said, why don't you look at our program? I was kind of resistant to being in the, at that time, it would have been the College of Home Economics because that was the girls' college. Oh, and yes. I didn't want to be classified as the girls' college, <laughs> even though food science would have been a very good fit for me. And when I came over and met in bakery science, it's actually in the College of Agriculture. And that was where all of most of the men were in college at. And I found that it was a really good fit for me. I really enjoyed it from word go. So I have friends that are in the milling industry and I have friends in the feed uh, industry and bakery. We all went to school together. So if you make feed, if you mill flour, or if you bake in the United States, there's a good probability that you went to Kansas State University. Right. The, unfortunately, the K-State line ends with me uh, <laughs> and my mother's side of the family. So even though I am, uh, Brenda's the only one that can see this, I am wearing a purple shirt by coincidence today. <laughs> that was not for your, for your benefit. That was just purely luck and we were talking earlier that there are were some things that you developed for the hostess company that you can kind of still see traces of out there on the shelves right yeah for uh in joplin for safeway we did a lot of private label things so some of my crackers are still in dollar general stores and uh, dollar type stores Uh, they wouldn't say safeway on them and i don't even know what brand they would say on them 
And then uh, later in my career, I worked for Multi Foods, and we that company doesn't exist anymore, but we made muffin mixes and muffins uh, for Starbucks. And I still see remnants of that in a lot of grocery stores. I'll see those muffins in the clamshells that, that were similar to what we made in that factory. And then went on to work for Wonder Bread and Hostess Cake and had just had a great time in all of those companies. Never wanted for a job, had enjoyed going to do that. And some of the breads that I worked on and created are still on the market um, in some areas. So it's going to be a good feeling. It is a good feel. I love it when I see some of my crackers, especially because I'm still a cracker fan. <laughs> you know, if I see, uh, I, I can recognize the shapes uh, from the factory and understand that, oh, that was one of the crackers I helped create. Very cool. Very cool. Great, uh, great career going. And then somewhere along the way, you felt a call to ministry. What, what was that? And, I, and this is a question I really don't know in talking to you about your call story. So when did you start feeling the call? I was 20 years old and I was at First United Methodist Church in Manhattan and I was having a conversation with one of my Sunday school classmates. We had a Sunday school class of about 20 kids that all went to K-State together and I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't, I wasn't very connected to that congregation because it was a much larger church than I grew up in at Cole Creek United Methodist Church in Jefferson County, but I was really connected to this Sunday school class and my, my friend was telling me that he felt the call to ministry and he was going to go to seminary. Well, I didn't even know what seminary was. I didn't, that was a foreign word to me. And there was a pastor there that started Unpack It that I trusted, Reverend Jerry Grabier. And the big thing was I was 18 months away from finishing my degree work with guaranteed work. Mm. And if a female in a bakery science in a degree, you're guaranteed work. So I went ahead and finished it. And just continued to struggle that tension with God of what, do you, what are we supposed to be in the church? Am I supposed to be a leader you know, as a lay leader in the church, which I'd seen my parents do so well over the years? Am I supposed to be a Sunday school teacher? Am I just supposed to be a great Christian? And finally, I really felt like I audibly heard God say, I want all of you. And that's when I said, all right, I'll figure this out with your help. And Reverend Alan Purvis was my pastor at that time. And she said, why don't you try and get enrolled in seminary and just start sorting this out? You like to learn, take that with you and start trying to unpack it. And I did. I enrolled in a class right away and just, just loved it. Um, it was, it was definitely a fit for me. And it took me a long time to get through seminary because I kept my career going so I could pay for seminary. Um, but I'm really pleased with the decisions and the, the way that my life has turned uh, into this other place where I do get to give God most of me. I don't know if I've still given God all of me, but I've given God most of me. So. Yeah, you're, you're pretty high percentile there. You're, you're yeah. <laughs> and your spouse at the time, and I've heard this about, I've heard this from other second career pastors. Your spouse at the time was not supportive of this decision, right? Correct. Yeah, very, uh, very unsupportive of the decision. Uh, we ended up divorcing. Um, and so part of most of my seminary career, I was a single mother with two children. Um, and, and we did good. Uh, I don't know if my children would tell you that, but I felt like that we did good. We, we had a lot of balls in the air sometimes, but uh, wasn't so bad. And um, it was about, let's see, I met Dawn in 
2003, I think, but it wasn't, we didn't get married until 2005. Uh, so I was still in the bakery science world doing product development. And then in 2007, they created a position at the former Kansas East Conference that was a combination of youth ministry and camping ministries. Because Camp Chippewa has been such a great part of my story all my life. I was very interested in it and I was looking for a way to leap out of bakery science into a ministry position, but I didn't necessarily want to be a minister yet. Hadn't really decided that that was what I wanted to do. And uh, I interviewed for it. I didn't feel like I had the credentials to do it, um, but they hired me. So Reverend Gary Beach and I built a partnership with Bishop Jones over the years and we did youth ministry and Camp Chippewa ministry for I think I worked for Gary six years um, oh, great. before I became a full-time pastor. Did, did you like working with youth? Because sometimes they can get on your nerves, or that's just my own personal experience. Well, my colleagues would tell you that I took that job so I could work at camp. Okay. And I would tell you that, too. All right. But I loved working with youth, and I still love working with youth and young adults. And it was a huge a growing edge for me and I fully embraced it and I really enjoy seeing these young adults now starting their lives getting married having kids um, that I had this awesome opportunity to walk with for a while I really really enjoyed it and I still enjoy it and you've still got a great heart for Camp Chippewa I can just tell in in all your interactions when when Chippewa comes up like right now you're smiling when I even say the name so and and what kind of experience did you have there as a camper? Uh, Reverend Bill Herdick took us to Camp Chippewa when he was my pastor at Cold Creek when I was six years old. And Reverend Bill was uh, one of the founding fathers of Camp Chippewa. So there were a group of pastors that bought land and held it in trust until Kansas East Conference decided that they were going to make a campground there. And I have been attending Camp Chippewa every year of my life since then over Labor Day weekend. And I called in my Chippewa family. Um, it has changed a little bit over the years, and some of our Camp Chippewa family has already gone on to heaven, and uh, we've added a couple more generations, um, but I'm preparing to do that again this Labor Day weekend to spend time with those people that I are just as dear to me as my uh, family of origin, and some of them are my family of origin. So um, just I, that is my God space. It, it is the sanctuary I most connect with. I have had some most terrible times there. I've had some real struggles with God there, but I've also had some real revolutionary and um, transforming times at Camp Chippewa. And I don't know if it's the space or the space I give God when I'm there, but it is a very precious place to me. Is there a favorite spot of yours at Chippewa? Mm -hmm. What's that? Um, what do you want to tell? <laughs> Uh, outdoor chapel yeah. <laughs> is my favorite spot by cole smith um, i just i've worshiped so many times there and i've preached there and i've taught there and it overlooks uh, the meredicine river valley and when i was a kid uh my friend max friesen from overbrook he said you could always see overbrook from um, the lookout point there I am not sure I ever saw Overbrook, but I saw a lot of trains and I saw Highway 68 and I believed him. Uh, and so uh, it's just some really special times in that space. Great, great. We will return with more with Brenda Davids right after this.
Matthew 28 tells us to make disciples of Jesus Christ, but how can you do that? You can help by providing some inspiration each morning to someone else. Just go to www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Once there, you'll find a QR code and a link to a sign-up page. Pick your day and your topic. If you need some assistance, there's even a link to the Vanderbilt University Daily Lectionary. Follow the instructions for submitting your devotion, and you've done your part to help inspire and encourage others in their Christian walk. Again, that's www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Help make more disciples today. Welcome back to Potluck. We're talking with Brenda Davids, pastor of Council Grove Dunlap and We'll See United Methodist Churches. You had to explain it to me, Brenda, when I visited there for the first time, the origins of the Council Grove Dunlap name, because some people might look at it and say, okay, Dunlap's the name of another church or something, but that's not the case. Tell me, explain this to, to those of us who are not quite familiar with Council Grove UMC. So there's a community near Council Grove called Dunlap, um, and it was established as a community um, after the Civil War. So if, uh, people could come there that were out of African-American descent, and they would be given land, and they could live there. And we had a church there. We had a Dunlap, and I believe it was EUB. Somebody may correct me, um, but I believe it was. And then over the years, the population and the attendance at Dunlap dwindled. And a few years before I took the pulpit at Council Grove Dunlap, they had merged these two congregations. And we still have a farm at Dunlap that helps support the ministries of Council Grove Dunlap, and we support those families in Dunlap. Um, it's, it's, a great, it's a great little space uh, here in Morris County. There's a lot of ground in Morris County that's not tillable, so we have a lot of ranches here, but that's not the case at Dunlap. There's a lot of tillable land at Dunlap and a lot of farmers that farm down there. Well, great, great. And you have, last year, you added Wilsey to your charge. What's, what's that church like? Wilsey is 10 miles west of Council Grove in Morris County. Unique little community. So the Wilsey Christian Church exists there and the Wilsey United Methodist Church and there's a cemetery. And just a community that can stand alone, but also is grateful that the county seat is close enough that they can get some of the things that they need. But they have their own post office and their own zip code, and they've been trying to revitalize their town and put some businesses back in it. Most of the folks in Wilsey have lived there a long time, uh, well-established. I would call it a family church. Uh, just a few families attend there, and uh, they warmly welcomed me as their pastor, and, and I've enjoyed getting to know them. Well, great. You've served several different churches through the years. Um, what uh, what and you know every church has its own distinction and its own personality and its own strengths. What do you think are the strengths of the, the Council Grove Dunlap and the Wilsey churches? It's, I'm not sure exactly what words to put with it, but this um, almost stubborn uh, play, I am going to stay on this land. This land is mine. This is where I live. This is where my family grew up and I'm going to continue to inhabit this land. So some of the things that have happened in Morris County is that some of the ranches have been sold and been made into wildlife preserves or some other use and not used as a ranch anymore. 
And this is really sad for our ranchers to not be using it as a ranch anymore. And it changes the way the ground is used here too. And I don't know all the stories of how families came to Morris County. And there's more cows here than there are people. So you have to kind of start hearing those stories and learning it. I have learned a lot about native grass and about grasslands and ranching, something that I didn't know anything about growing up in Northeast Kansas in Jefferson County and Atchison County. We don't ranch there. We farm and it's all river bottom land. So this land is so much different, similar to Camp Chippewa, where there's a lot of rock um, and not tillable land, but also this great uh, spirit of conservation. They want to preserve these flint hills. They want to preserve these grasslands so that we have these places to not just raise cattle, but to appreciate the beauty of Kansas. And I've always loved the Flint Hills my entire life. So to do ministry here, I didn't, I didn't even know it was possible. I didn't know what churches were out here. I didn't know that there was a full-time appointment out here. And uh, I've just so enjoyed being in this area. Well, great, great. Well, like every other pastor and every other church this year, you've had to kind of get thrown into the world of online churches. And I, I do check out a little bit of your services every week just to see that you're alive and well. What's... Was it an easy adjustment for you to start into online services or did it take some ramping up for you to do it? I think it took ramping up for us to do it well. Um, we've been uh, just setting a phone up in the sanctuary for about a year before a pandemic hit. Uh, uh, for the benefit of someone that we had in care um, that was getting a stem cell transplant at KU Med in Kansas City and just wanted to be able to attend worship while he was being quarantined there because um, that's part of the procedures. You have to be in quarantine for several weeks. And so we had this going on in a Facebook live event, but it wasn't very intimate. So that first Sunday when we decided to not be in person, March 15th, um, it was actually from this desk I'm sitting at right now in the Parsonage, and we just did a conversation and a sermon. And the next Sunday, we tried to add some music to it. And by the next Sunday, we decided we were going to go back into the sanctuary and use some of the equipment that we installed a couple of years ago through Memorial Gifts. So we have some great televisions and sound system in the Council Grove Sanctuary. And we said, let's, let's get in there uh, as a small body. So there was only three of us in there and work this equipment that we have and use this very precious equipment. It's so precious to us right now. Before it was... Uh, I don't know, a luxury almost. Mm -hmm. And now it's vital to our ministry to have these screens and to have this great sound system and the ability to come to our congregation through Facebook Live. And we have about 500 that attend our worship service at some time during the week. They aren't all on there during the live moment at 930, but they definitely tune in sometime during the week. It's been kind of fun. There's a little bit of Brenda Church. So maybe 10% of the people that attend are people that I'd served in other congregations or members of my family. But then there's a whole lot of people that had been at Council Grove or in Morris County and attended at one time in their life, but they're in another place right now. And they've been chiming in. And to see those conversations happening is really fun on Sunday mornings. I don't know all these people, but my congregation does. And they've, they've really enjoyed that part of it. Great, great. Are you looking at in-person services anytime in the near future? You have a timeline or kind of wait and see what happens? We've been back in, in person and we'll see since the 1st of June. Um, so we don't have too many that attend that worship service. So that was an easy leap. 
um, as soon as we were given some uh, guidance from the Morris County Health Officer. And we hope to go back into in-person worship on August 30th in Council Grove Dunlap. Although my congregation is not too excited about attending. So I'm, I'm not sure that we'll have too many people in person attendance. They, they are very uh, content and feel safe uh, attending the online worship service. So we want to continue to make that as excellent as we can. It's definitely a homemade service. I don't want to tell you that we're experts at this at all, but we've gotten better. That's kind of the feeling of a lot of pastors that uh, that I've talked to through the through the months. I was going to say through the years. It only seems like years, but um, through the last couple months, about uh, you know, kind of learning by getting thrown into the river, learning to swim by being thrown into the river. And and there's some people who really it really runs smooth for a lot of pastors now. And and uh, and you still have that intimacy uh, that you were talking about earlier too. So it's mm -hmm. it, they a lot of pastors like you are making the best of it. And it. it it puts a good face on for us, for for our conference and for our denomination. So, so thank you for all you do there, and thank you for, on behalf of every other pastor out there, all you've had to to get thrown on into your lap because of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a steep learning curve, uh, but and I'm not really good at it, and I don't want to be that good at it. I mean, I'm a minister, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, so we all have we need to be able to communicate with people. And if this is the way we're going to communicate with people, I am going to embrace it. So I've enjoyed, uh, my congregation has been doing Zoom Bible studies. We do a Zoom prayer time um, that they're all invited to. And then, of course, we have the Facebook Live event on Sunday mornings. And I'm really grateful that they are embracing it. Even some of my oldest ones are anxious to get on the Zoom prayer time so they can see each other. Oh, yeah. That's, you, you get a definite fellowship, even though you, uh, you can't see and reach out and touch each other. So mm -hmm. that, that has been a benefit. So where, uh, what do you think is in the future for Council Grove, Dunlap, and we'll see? Well, my vision is that we stay in a hybrid service at Council Grove, Dunlap. Um, we don't have necessarily have the bandwidth or the technology at we'll see to carry on unless we had some different things than we do now. We do use uh, YouTube music on a cell phone is our musician out there. So that's been a kind of an adventure, a Bluetooth speaker and uh, different tracks that we borrow off of YouTube music for worship. Um, so once in a while, Alan Jackson shows up uh, for our musician. And last week, Elvis Presley sang to us one of nice. his songs. So that's always just kind of a treat for the congregation. Council Grove Dunlap had made this investment in screens and a sound system through these memorial gifts. So they were well suited to move on into it. And I feel like that they've understood the value of that now. And they've given me permission to continue to up our equipment um, so that we can continue to offer an online type worship service. Um, I think they fully embrace this hybrid model. They don't understand exactly who's on there all the time and neither do I. Um, but I guess that's part of the learning curve for us too, is how to be, how to disciple folks um, through online worship. That's definitely a tension I'm feeling, but I don't have all the answers for that right now. All right. Well, Brenda Davids, just when I thought I knew a lot about you, I found out even more here in our conversation. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being a guest, my, my longtime friend and, and, uh, you say I'm your brother from another mother, and you're my and you are my sister from another mister. So uh, we're we're um, uh, foster foster siblings to each other through the years, and I hope it remains that way for many many years to come. So Brenda, thank you for being on Pop Well, thanks for inviting me.
Potluck is Copyright 2020 by the Great Plains Conference. I'm your host, David Burke. Our producers are Todd Seifert and Eugenio Hernandez. Our music comes via a license from First Com Music. We hope you join us next time for Potluck. We'll save you a place at the table. <laughs>